Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Oh, hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative footy podcast for diehard fans. I am Rana Hussain and with me, as always, is AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani, who is recovering from some illness. How are you, Gemma? I'm good now. <laughs> not based on my voice. No, I'm good now. Uh, it's my fault we didn't have an episode last week. Sorry, everyone. Yes, we had a little break because... Uh, I you could were not unwell. sit up. <laughs> no, you were very unwell. I'm so glad that you are back and firing on most cylinders. Yeah, I mean, I was luckily well enough by Thursday to deal with all the AFLW announcements. Yes. Uh, which I think we'll get to a bit later today. Big news. But yeah, yeah will. the timing was good. Um, but yeah. Uh, feeling all, Feeling okay? Yes, low point probably collapsing on a train um, on the way home from the football, but high point uh, being well enough to talk about footy uh, on the ABC on Thursday. So it was a four-day turnaround. (laughs) You've been a busy woman despite being so sick you're on ABC News television. Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) Why was it weird? Uh, Because usually it's you on TV. (laughs) (laughs) You did such a good job and we want more Gemma on our television screens. Let's fire up our spotlight for the week because we have many things to spotlight this week. Starting off with the big news of the round, which is that North Melbourne finally registered a win. Yes, uh, it is big news of the round given (laughs) the fact that they were winless to this point. Not really the game of the round. (laughs) Far from it. Um, I think the thing is with North Melbourne is, and I don't think I'm alone in feeling this, is that not anyone's second favourite team, really. Uh, Club, probably. Not really. But it gets to the point, it's like Adelaide last year, it gets to the point in the season where you're like, you just feel sorry for them. No one wants to see a team go winless. No. (laughs) And it's... um, interesting that in the past four years the the final remaining winless team has got their first win against Hawthorne in three of them wow yeah so not a great stat for Hawthorne but good for North Melbourne to get the win Hawthorne should just claim that as like we're just trying to be nice we just we Hawthorne don't a... want to be nice. <laughs> Hawthorne aren't nice. <laughs> of all the teams, Hawthorne are the last team you would call nice <laughs> or describe as nice. Hey, uh, you want to spotlight Zerhar a little bit? Yeah, so Zerhar kicked the four goals. I think the thing with Zerhar is that he's got so much potential but very rarely can actually show it. Um, but he was able to show it in this game. But the other thing that was really interesting was the emergence of this midfield group that between three players, they had 37 clearances. So between Simpkin, who had 13, Cunnington, who also had 13, and Luke Davies-Uniak, who had 11, they found a way to win the ball in the middle against Tom Mitchell and Jager O'Meara and Warple, who's known for clearances as well. 
um, without Jed Anderson being there, who is normally one of the players they rely on in there. So I think that's a positive, given the fact that Davies Uniac is still very young, and Jai Simpkin, he's not super young, but he's not a senior player really. Mm. In any other side, he wouldn't really be a senior player. So um, I think that's a big positive for North Melbourne. I think you buried the lead there with Zerha having one of the best names for a commentator to say <laughs> in a game. They really love saying it. I mean, <laughs> at least they say it right. <laughs> True. You've also spotlighted Essendon this week, which I am so happy about because they've been looking like they were going to win for a while now and they finally got over the line. Yeah, so this year they've uh, lost three um, three games by less than a goal. So every game that they've been in that has come down to a margin of less than a goal, they have lost. But in this one... They were able to hold that lead, grit their teeth late in the game and kind of maintain it for the final five minutes of the game. It didn't make for pretty football at all. No. But the fact that once Braden Ham kicked that goal with about five minutes to go, they held on. They didn't let themselves lose it again, which has happened so often in the past. And, you know, Essendon supporters will say it was umpiring decisions, it was this, it was that. But the fact that it was in that position to begin with when... In most of those games, Essendon had been up by a fair margin. This game was kind of the opposite of that. They were kind of coming from behind. They also made the most of Fremantle's inaccuracy. So they kicked 10-8-68 to Fremantle's 8-13-61. Tabiner on his own, who I adore, but you know had a rough day. He kicked four goals three, and I think a couple of shots on goal didn't even make it. So he could have really put Essendon to the sword, but he wasn't able to, and Essendon took that chance and ran with it, which I think is the thing Essendon supporters want to be seeing with all these young players coming through. Can they hold on to those games and show a bit of maturity late in the game to do that? And they were able to do it finally in this one. I think you're so right, because I think if you're an Essendon supporter, you've got to be pretty comfortable with where they're at at the moment, given their list. And I think if they had have won those other games... I think you could easily fall into the trap of thinking that they're better than Mm -hmm. where they're at at the moment. And I think this is really good that they've had a few close ones and they finally got across the line. It feels like they are building and, and I think they're on track. I feel like we had this conversation in the last episode as well about how there are a couple of teams where there's an expectation that they're always going to be good and Essendon were one of the teams we Mm. talked about. I think this is... Um, a little bit of motivation throughout what is going to be an inconsistent year for them, given the fact that their list profile is different, they've got a lot of injuries and they're relying on a lot of young players to do a lot of the job. I think this is a great kind of carrot along the way to keep you interested, but also aware that you're not a finals team right now. Mm. Can we just quickly chat about Darcy Parrish? Oh, yeah, you wanted to talk about Darcy Parrish. I mean, the only thing I want to say is he's so good. He's he's <laughs> a very good midfielder. Um, I feel like with him, I know he's not in his second year and showing something all of a sudden. I know that he's a few years in, but I think he'll start to get a bit more attention from the better mm. teams they come up against in the next few weeks. Um, so, for example, coming up against Melbourne, he might have James Harms hanging off him all day and stuff like that. So I think he, as a young player who is playing very good football, is about to enter a period of time where he will be very much challenged. And it's how he comes out the other side of that that I think will show the character of which way he'll go. Ultimate test, really, for him. Similarly, that makes me think about, and I know this is the spotlight, but I just want to flag this, is that... I can't I had this thought the other day over the weekend actually about how much we were talking about Isaac Rankine last year. And I remember thinking, okay, but next year will be the test for him. And he's just Well, it's Kalinda Howarth the last year versus this year, isn't it? Mm. Um it's Maddie Prespark is going into her second year or third year where she got that really tight tag in the first game and had to work through that. Like there are a lot of players who you know, once people totally. are aware of how good you can be, the next challenge is in breaking through being the player that everyone wants to stop. And I think, that is a testament to your character if you can. I think Dan Butler's in that list in terms of goes to St Kilda, has a really great season this year. Not as big a 
I, impact, I would say. I think he still turns games for them. Um, but I think there's also a lot of other players to give attention to as well at St Kilda in that forward line. And now that Higgins is there as well, mm. you know, Zach Jones running into the forward line. Like, there's a few things going on at the Saints that... And we will talk about the Saints a little bit later as well. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think I'd love to maybe kind of develop a bit of a list of players who have had to work through that and how they've done it and mm. which position they've played in as well because, you know, those small forwards are a bit like that but I think there's a lot of young key forwards that deal with that too as soon as they start to get the second or first best defender rather than the third and how that changes their game I think that's really interesting all right there's some homework for you Gemma I want to see it on your Twitter oh yeah in two hours (laughs) (laughs) we're not done with the spotlight just yet you want to talk about the Eagles who put their foot down but then maintain their distance. What do you mean? <laughs> what does so I think, that mean? I think this is a thing that it's not something we see a lot of. So we'll see a team kind of create the gap um, in a short period of time. They'll score very heavily in one quarter and then um, the opposition will slowly peg it back. What the Eagles were able to do in this game, they went into the second quarter two points up against Adelaide. They kicked seven goals in the second quarter. Five of those alone was Jack Darling. And then they maintained that margin for the rest of the game. So Adelaide was never then able to get within arm's length of them after that. Um, So more what I'm saying is they didn't concede a big run of momentum the other way after they created that space, which I think is... It's what you want to see because you don't want games to swing back and forth as much. You want to be in control of them. And once the Eagles got into control, they didn't give it away. The concern I have with the Eagles is that I think they, they're they still quite vulnerable defensively. And I think better teams, uh, high-scoring teams, a Melbourne, you know, a Richmond probably, a few of those teams, they can exploit that defence, especially with some of the injuries they've got now. So against Adelaide, sure, they've won by 30 points. It's all good. What's going to happen when they come up against a few of the tougher teams? I'm not sure that they're thereabouts like a lot of people think they are. Mmm, interesting. I guess we'll have to watch this space when it comes to West Coast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Gemma, well, some people's socks have slid down their silky calves and I think it's time to tell them they need to pull their socks up. Let's start with Port Adelaide. You want to tell Port Adelaide to pull their socks up. What have they done? Specifically their midfield. So Mm -hmm. heading into the season, I know we didn't do a season preview because W was all we cared about and, you know, that time of year it should be anything, (laughs) uh, the only thing anyone cares about. But um, Port on paper should be the team to beat this year they should that i thought they were the premiership favorite i thought they were going to just steamroll a lot of teams this year and they just haven't been able to do it and having a look at their clearance numbers their their midfield is very strong think about who is in there they've got those bulls they've got people like boak and wines and pal pepper who is back now rosie i know is injured but had been there you know a few of those players who can do some really great things and should be dominating the contest. And then Lysette in the ruck is also quite a dominant ruck against most others. They have 
only won one game this year after losing the clearances. Mm-hmm. Every other time they've lost the clearances in a game, they've lost the game. So they're so reliant on that midfield doing the job and the mm. midfield hasn't consistently done the job. I have done some research. Oh, here we go. And I would like to say that A, you're probably right, but B, they scored eight goals from stoppages compared to Bulldogs only scored five. So what I'm saying is their game plan relies on them winning stoppages to score. That is their game plan, right? Okay. They've got no other option. Right. So right, if their right, midfield right. isn't on, their game they struggle to score. Gotcha. I mean, look, I thought they would be much better this season than they have been, and that's the biggest surprise for me when it comes to Port Adelaide. I agree. I don't really know how they rectify this, but they need a they need a plan B and Again, like we bring it back to me being a Sydney fan, um, <laughs> as usual. I'm sorry, but for so long, people's complaints about Sydney is that they don't have a plan B during it, which was not that often actually true. But that was the complaint you heard. I think that is genuinely an issue for Port right now. They don't have a plan B if they're not winning the stoppages and scoring from there. They really struggle to find other avenues to goal or other avenues to control a game. All right, Port Adelaide, you heard it here. Do better. (laughs) (laughs) I will admit that I had to go back and watch that game because I ended up watching the Richmond game. Surprise. Okay, you say that, but (laughs) I think that was the game of the round. It was so good to watch. All right, well, we'll talk Richmond a little bit later. I have some people who I'd like to ask to pull their socks up. Um, And as usual, I'm asking the media to pull their socks up. (laughs) Which we all love to listen to. (laughs) This time, it's the pressure they are putting on young players. In particular, I want to flag the footage of Max King sitting on the bench looking really sad. I just think we put so much pressure on these young players and the media in particular, and it's got to be taking a toll on them, surely. Well, this is the thing, right? So everyone talks about Tom Boyd and how brave he was to come out about his mental health struggles and, you know, good on him and all the stuff about Danny Frawley and, yes, mental health is so important, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same people in the media who are tearing a kid down for kicking 1-5 when... He got six shots on goal as a 20-year-old kid and the rest of his team couldn't kick straight either. When Toby Green kicked 1-7 a month ago, no one said anything about that. No one said that he was a disgrace or anything. Like, it's wild the weird perspectives the media gets on different players who have done identical things. Well, the media is just not learning the lesson, to your point, around players speaking out about their mental health issues. The point of doing that is not just for the fans to understand. It's actually for the media and for broadcasters to report better and to actually take into account that they're human beings when they do write these stories. I know the media is about conflict and good content is partly conflict, but... These are people's lives and you could see the pain on Max King's face and just how much pressure and stress he was feeling in that moment. And I don't know, we can do better, I think. But the thing is, if you want to take the angle of St Killer's poor kicking, which I'm going to do shortly, (laughs) talk about the team as a whole. The team as a whole kicked poorly. Yes, he was one part of that. But they kicked six behinds before they kicked a goal from set shots in that game. They weren't all Max King. No, I think think we could get around young players better. Absolutely, especially young key position players who arguably, other than Rocks, are going to take the longest to develop. And the fact that he got six shots on goal is remarkable in itself. So let's chill out. To the conversation we were just having about, say, an Isaac Rankin, we love to jump on them when they first come onto the scene and show a little bit of promise. You know, let us not forget Build Jack them Watts. Up too much. Yeah, I mean, let's just take a chill pill in general. I think when it comes to young players and let them find their feet. Well, the, you mentioned Jack Watts. This goes back to the Jamara Yugo Hagen conversation as well. Mm. Everyone desperately wants to force a debut for him, 
Look at what happened with Jack Watts. Everyone wanted him to debut so desperately. So the club did in circumstances that were horrendous. And he never recovered from that. Like or hate Jack Watts, that was not the way you start your career. And ultimately, he was lost to the game for a number of reasons because we know that there's some other stuff going on there. But Mm. his career was not handled well. Look at the way Melbourne treated Jack Grimes and Jack Trengrove. You know, like... The media just needs to chill out. But I think that's the thing. I think football has moved on from that type of treatment of players. And I think football has understood that process better. I think the media is still... Because the media are the people who were doing that 15, 20 years ago. And they're the ones that haven't moved on yet. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that was perfect. Listen, everybody, listen. All right, well, we've asked some questions of the media. It's time to ask some questions of our coaches in the press are my favourite segment, of course. This, of course, is when we ask questions that we'd love to hear uh, journos ask in the press conference with coaches, but probably would be too scared to (laughs) because some of these get a bit hairy. You've got one for Brett Ratton. Yeah, so I flagged earlier that I was going to talk about St Kilda's inaccuracy. What I'd love to know is how do you approach your team reviews, team meetings, and motivate heading into the next game, knowing that your team did 90% of the stuff right? Did they, though? Absolutely. They had 22 scoring shots to 18. It was literally their conversion in front of goal that was the difference in the game. Geelong were lucky to win this one by 21 points given they had four less scoring shots and haven't been the most accurate team themselves this year. St Kilda, the, their, the way they played their football, the way they got the ball forward, the way their forwards presented, they were all getting to the right positions. They just weren't able to convert in that final little part. So I'd love to know how Brett, and Ratten, Brett Ratten approaches his team now, knowing that they were almost there. So how do you balance the frustration of that conversion with the motivation of you're actually quite good except for that one thing? <laughs> Which costs you the game. Costs you the game, exactly. Yeah, he looked a bit frustrated. Uh, I'm, not convinced, I'm not convinced though that they have everything else right. They did in that game. I don't think they absolutely have everything else right. They've been, we've talked about them being an inconsistent team already. Mm. But in that game, they did everything right until that last step. Frustrating, very frustrating. He would probably just go, next question. (laughs) Hence why I'm talking to you about it and not in the press conference. (laughs) Look, my question is to Nathan Buckley, although I feel like this week I had questions for David Teague. I had questions for Damien Hardwick. Um, To Damien Hardwick, I'd say... Shut up about grounds? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not even a question. It's dimmer. It's just enough with the... Weird swagger. How? I don't want to sound like an asshole, but how obnoxious. It was rude, right? I found it rude. It's 5K, not even 5Ks away, next to a train station. Your support? Anyway. I'm not going to lie. I don't love Marvel, but I just, it was a bad look for me for the coach to speak about the stadium. Well, to use a, an excuse, after we've had a COVID year and Victorians weren't able to go to the football. And now all of a sudden going to a different stadium is too hard when you're robbed of it all of life. It's just very it was, weird. Well, it was it was lazy and there's lacking insight because that's not why people aren't going, didn't turn up that night. Marvel Stadium isn't the reason why people didn't turn up that to that game. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I watch my team whenever I possibly can because they're not here very often. So I don't have the luxury of choosing not to go to a game because they'll be here next week. So I have a really different perspective as well, I think. Well, imagine a head coach in that moment going, I don't know why people aren't coming, but we would love to see you there. Yeah. Turn it positive. <laughs> well, I won't be asking any of that of Damien Harvick. My question to Nathan Buckley is this. What did you do in a past life? (laughs) And the reason why I'm asking this is because I saw that picture of Dugowie touching another player in the locker rooms and I thought, 
what did Nathan Buckley do in the past? Like of all, like on top of everything else he has to deal with, rightly or wrongly, he now adds this to the list. I mean, it just. Uh. Well, it adds adds to the character references that a certain player doesn't know when not to touch someone. My goodness, what an absolute mess that is. I just, I, I don't even have words. <laughs> also, Buckley's not an angel, so let's no, just... No, yeah. I don't feel sorry for him, but I just thought, it, it actually just made me go, oh my God, he well, would I mean, have been... It, it, if anything, it should be a form of karma or punishment for continuing to play a player who is currently charged with sexual assault. Oh, I'm in such agreeance. Uh, well, anyway, that's my curly question that no one would dare ask Nathan Buckley, but I would love to. All right, let's get to some positive chat. We want to anoint our play on performer for the round. This is a player that isn't necessarily the best player of the round, but is someone that we want to acknowledge. Rana feels like we need to clarify that because I always choose players that aren't the best player of the round. But it's I, okay. So it's... But I think have been good for a very specific reason. So Rana <laughs> wanted to clear that up with everyone. I think your uh, Sydney bias is coming out in this one. Today's I pick. mean, how often have I actually chosen Sydney for anything in this podcast? <laughs> very rarely. I think I've done Go it on. once. Go I feel on. like we've talked about your teams a lot more often. That's because um, I have five teams in there. <laughs> yeah, well, allegiances to too many teams. Tell us who your pick is. So I've chosen Dane Rampey for this one. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I think Dane Rampey um, is one of the most important players to the Swans structurally. And he his addition back into the side changes the fortunes of the Swans. No matter how good the other defenders are, he's that important um, because of the way he sets the side up, his leadership in defence, his one-on-one ability. But the thing that I want to talk about is his field kicking in this podcast today. The way he picks off such perfect kicks into the corridor under pressure to get the Swans' ball movement going, that quick corridor running game style that they want to be playing, he sets so much of that up coming out of defense. The way he picks off those kicks is remarkable. There are a couple of kicks in this one that he absolutely had no right to be able to hit. He did, and it resulted in scores for Sydney. So... You know, we talk about his one-on-one ability. He's one of the best one-on-one defenders in the competition. We talk about his speed. We talk about his leadership, all that sort of stuff. His field kicking is unbelievable. And kicking and disposal efficiency around the ground has been Sydney's bread and butter this year. So the reason they lost to the Gold Coast Suns was because they were pressured too much to be able to use that clean disposal around the ground. Against Collingwood this weekend, led by Dane Rampey, nine Swans went at 80% or more disposal efficiency in this game. I think there are only two Collingwood players that went that high. Um, Rampey had 20 disposals, 10 marks and six intercepts. His 20 disposals were at 85% efficiency out of defense, which is completely brilliant. So he sets everything up and then we see Tom Hickey in the middle but I really wanted to spotlight Dane Rampey's spot I'm using the wrong names for our segments here I'm sorry <laughs> but I want to talk about Dane Rampey and how important that part of his game is as well as the other things people talk about okay so you just said a whole bunch of stuff about yeah, Dane sorry. Rampey tell me in and amongst all of that what is what is the story of Dane Rampey this week give me the narrative I mean, he sets Sydney up out of defence and his ability to cleanly exit defence, create neat passages of play in the Swans' game style is so important to their ability to win games this year. Dane Rampey, you have got Gemma with a twinkle in her eye. <laughs> <laughs> she is so happy to talk about you and your field kicking. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter during Swans games and you'll see. Um, just staying on the Swans for a second, this and, and your Twitter account, because this turned up on your Twitter account, thank you to the COVID restrictions or whatever it was that meant that Sydney had to sing their song on the field. Um, I do want to flag, though, and this probably sounds like me being a bit of a dick, but um, 
I did tweet about the swan singing the song on the ground. Mm. Um, to the men who decided to tell me that it was the AFLW that started this <laughs> and not the swans, thank you for telling me. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, that is the worst. Um, shout out to Kath Laughlin who... Oh, my God. Who, that footage of her getting mansplained to by Jordan Lewis. Ugh. I think every woman just nodded so hard watching that. Yes, we're aware. We're aware of all the things. Thank you. Yes. In particular that the women sing their songs on the ground. If it's if it's something to do with AFLW, I promise you, I probably already know you don't need to tell me. And I sound really obnoxious no, right now. No, I think now, it's fair. But I it drives me mad. It's very annoying. But, but also, like, do I ever talk about anything else? No. Yeah, that's also weird that one would think you wouldn't know that. It's yeah. very strange. Anyway, I'm a big fan and I don't understand. There's absolutely no reason why in men's footy that can't happen all the time. If they then want to go into the rooms and sing it again for themselves, go for it. I reckon at your home ground, do it. Y- yes, at your home games, for sure. Yeah. Which I hope the Swans keep doing because it was nice. I want to go up to Sydney to watch a game and I hope they do it then as well. Oh, it's so good. All right. Well, I did mention that I thought GWS versus Richmond was the game of the round last week. Uh, let's talk about what we think will be the game of the round this week. You can kick it off with GWS versus West Coast Eagles. Yeah. So the reason I've chosen um, the Giants against West Coast on Sunday at one ten Australian Eastern Standard Time at Giant Stadium is because they're two sides that are kind of in form now. I know the Giants lost last week, but the two sides that are kind of in form, but I'm still not convinced by them. So I'm really curious to see how they go up against each other. Because, again, both sides are playing pretty good footy, but I don't know how well it stands up against other teams. So I love the idea of them going head-to-head. So that's why it's my game of the round. Uh, JWS really should have won that game against Richmond and they didn't and they're disappointing me this season, frankly. <laughs> I think they showed real promise and okay. yeah, I really, really want to see them win this next one. Okay. Not just because I love their song as well. Uh, Best song in the comp. Well, annoyingly, I am going to talk about Richmond. <laughs> um, I Always. think. Always. I'm trying not to, but unfortunately they just keep cropping up for me. Brisbane versus Richmond on Friday night at the Gabba at 7.50. I think this is going to be the game of the round again, um, <laughs> which is annoying. But I think they're they're really well matched. Travel will be interesting for Richmond. They don't do it very often. They don't do it very often, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be good vibes for them or not going back to the Gabba. Mm. Oh, yeah. is there a patch of MCG grass on it? <laughs> I wonder what happened to that bit oh, of grass. Jesus Christ. Is it still there? Surely it's not still there. Someone must have ripped it out as soon as that grand final was over. Tell me the most pointless waste of money during a COVID year. And did that make you feel more connected to that grand final? I swear to God. <laughs> it was a weird It was a weird move, but they were trying. Uh, look, they were trying. I wonder... I wonder if Brisbane are nervous coming into this game. They probably shouldn't be, but they don't have the best record against Richmond. And this is a replay of last year's qualifying final. So I'm not sure if they're feeling super confident going into this. Actually, I'm interested. What do you think? I think Brisbane have a couple of very difficult injuries to cover against a good side. It's fifth versus eighth. Hugh McCluggage set to have a pretty good game. He's in pretty good form at the moment. Uh, I think this is a more important game for Richmond to win. So uh, I reckon they'll come out firing. I don't know. I I can't actually call this one because the travel for Richmond might undo them. Anyway, I think it's going to be a great game to watch and I'm keen to see what happens. I do think Richmond need to win this more than Brisbane do. All right, let's get into some listener questions. We've got a few interesting ones here. I'm going to kick it off first, Gemma. Okay. 
We've already sort of touched on this with the venue chat, but do you think where a team plays has an effect on performance in the end? I think crowds can influence teams. Um, and that's probably the extent of it, really. But uh, then by extension, if crowds don't like going to a particular ground, <laughs> it's... Uh... Then you then your fans need to stop being so precious. <laughs> no, I mean, so look at Tom Papley, for example. He loves the crowd. He gets up and about. And then by him getting up and about because of the crowd, he then gets his teammates up. It's not going to be the same for every... Um, every player, mm. but that's an example of how our crowd can influence. I don't know that the actual ground itself has much say. The I ground think, dimensions maybe, but aside from that, it I doesn't think matter, it's surely. A, it's a different conversation in W for sure um, because the weather impacts W cr- um, grounds far more significantly and so does you know the heat. Um, which is weather I know, but, you know, different... So, like, Casey Fields as compared to Vic Park, mm. totally different situations. Whereas in a stadium, a stadium is a stadium. Well, let's stay on the W. We've got a question here about your take or our take on the W announcements. What were they, first of all, for people who don't know? First one being that the seasons, the next three seasons are due to begin at the end of the year, um, running from the end of the year till March instead of starting in the new year. So this season coming, uh, season six, will begin December and run till mid-March. So there's no overlap with the M. Um, So that's one part. The other is that expansion has been all but confirmed. We will have an 18-team competition come season eight. It's potentially going to be by season seven, um, the four remaining clubs need to resubmit their application for a W license. Um, the AFL will then decide whether they're ready for season seven, so the end of 2022, or until, if they need to wait till the end of 2023, which is season eight. Um, so we have potential to have more than 14 teams next year, um, but that remains to be seen. Here's what I think. I don't mind the expansion decisions that have been made I do think asking clubs to resubmit their applications is a little bit weird but I also think it's a good thing if clubs have done more work and gotten better at at, you know in terms of women's footy so it does make a little bit of sense but it's a lot of money to put into uh, an application for clubs especially post-covid I think it's going to be a stretch for a lot of them Um, as far as playing in December when I first heard it, I kind of went, I loved it, actually. I thought, yes, we don't have to overlap with the men's season. And then I remembered that I now work for cricket and, oh, I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the expansion one, I, I think it's actually, I think the expansion announcement was perfect. It's exactly what we needed. Um, I think we did need a timeline on the expansion details without knowing when exactly it's going to happen we have a deadline now, which I think is very important. Mm. And it's not too far away, but it's far enough away that talent can be developed to populate those teams in time. In an ideal world, personally, I think that a Port Adelaide team and a Victorian team in Season 7 and then the remaining two in Season 8 would be ideal because I think we need to split that Adelaide um, talent pool. Um, and I think Victoria probably has enough talent to cater to, for a team earlier than other states. Um, that's just a personal opinion. Um, I like the reapplication. Uh, and again, from a Sydney perspective, their application two years ago is going to be completely different to what it is now because they had planned the application based on redevelopments at Moore Park, mm. which now are going to be delayed because of COVID. So they need to restructure how they're doing it. So I think the reapplication is actually a good thing because they need to reassess how they're going to approach it. Mm. Swans are very strong on wanting a team for the 2022 season, which I love. It remains to be seen what's going to happen there. Um, I think it sucks for Hawthorne who have applied and applied and applied. Okay, Hawthorne haven't applied and applied and applied. Well, they didn't initially, you're right. Hawthorne have applied once. (laughs) They were told that they were going to be the last Camelthorac. Fine. Same as Essendon. Fine. Um, I think their president has... uh, has 
reacted to the news in the opposite way to how the other three clubs have. Um, and it's not Do you mean great. without class? I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, Sorry. But I think it brings negativity to it rather than positivity. So, like, you look at Port, who were, have been very quiet on the topic in recent years. As soon as that announcement was made, they had a press conference and were very excited at the prospect of having a team while not being nasty that it's not immediate. Um, they've been developing talent in South Australia with a with an NGA academy, I think. Mm-hmm. Essendon, very positive, c- continuing to have a strong um, state league team and looking towards the future. Sydney have the girls' academy and a very excited with the prospect of a 2022 team, potentially 2023. Kennett comes out and says he's going to sue the AFL. It's just like, it's always taking the negative rather than being like, okay, take this in our stride. We could have a team next year. Let's gun for that. It's hard for the fans. I give you that. Uh, I mean, I would go for Sydney. So uh, <laughs> I get not having your team, your club in the comp. Mm. Um but there's ways about approaching the conversation and I just personally don't appreciate the way Kenneth has. And I think there are other people at Hawthorne who have done it very well though. Yes, and I think uh, Jeff's playing politics there. I mean, he and Eddie <laughs> Maguire are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> totally. Uh, look. But the change in timing for the season is the other thing I haven't mentioned, sorry, because I have been talking a lot in this episode because we've had a week off. Um, the change in time in theory, great, whatever, um, in practicality, the AFL has made a lot of very short-sighted changes to this competition over the past five years because they haven't had a 10-year plan in place. We're seeing that happen again. So now they, last year they changed state leagues, especially the Victorian state league to align with the AFLW to create that tiered system. Now what's going to happen? Because the state leagues can't start in December. Mm. Local grounds are not going to be available. There's going to be a lot of um, grounds. There won't be any stadium games for the W because cricket um, will have access to those grounds. So there's a whole lot of other issues that are going to crop up now. It's going to be in direct competition with the WNBL. So players like Monique Conti and Tessa Levy need to make a choice. Um, And that's putting that on players who, to this point, have been balancing it. There's a lot of problems that come up because the media refuses to give the W the attention it deserves once the men's season starts. It's such a good point and it's very well made. I think it's classic AFL to me that they went, oh, we can own the entire year if we do this. And they didn't actually think, what will this look like for everybody? And there's so many issues with it. Um, cricket aside, like like you say, there it's going to put players in a difficult spot. Oh, yeah. This all being said, though, I'm very excited at the prospect of waiting less time to the next W season because I want to work and I love watching it. So <laughs> that's good for me, I guess. Let's look into the positive side. I don't actually because if you're a woman in sport covering AFL, you are working year round. All right, that's enough of that talk. Um, we've got one last question. And it's a really cute one, actually. How do you get yourself out of a footy funk? So this question was asked by a giant supporter after their loss to Richmond on the weekend. Um, I love to tell the story of how I was quite an uptight supporter that was really down after losses for a very long time because I had the luxury of going for a team that didn't lose very often. So, you know it's hard to take a loss when you're not used to it kind of thing. Um, And then 2017 happened and Sydney went zero and six, still made finals, only team to do it in history. But um, (laughs) I had to learn how to enjoy football, even if it didn't necessarily come with a win. And I think that's where my love for young players or fringe players doing good things came from. Um, We all know that my favorite players are players that no one has heard of, or they eventually become very popular but down the track so uh my my swan scarf has four badges on it robbie fox is one which is the one that everyone makes fun of me for who has been remarkable since he's come back this year uh tom mccartan which was before he kind of went into defense and became amazing um jordan dawson again before he 
was known for his clean left boot and Harry Cunningham, who I think people still don't know who he is. Um, so they're all players who kind of were on the fringes and then kind of became who they were, like worked into themselves. So that's my way of getting through like losses and things like that is like find the little aspects. So the Giants, Tom Green got his second Rising Star nomination this week. That's the thing to focus on. Find the little things like the little tap-ons mm. or the one percenters that show that your team knows how to work with one another. So look for the little things that Josh Kelly does or, you know, Tom Green getting a rising star on, stuff like that. That, I think, is how you do it. What about you? Um, I'm a Melbourne supporter, so <laughs> I Richmond supporter? spent so long not having anything to be happy about. Uh, and I, the way I handled that is to remind myself that it's just a game. <laughs> That's also... And that got me through about 10 years of being average or less. Um, But no, look, as a Melbourne supporter this year, though, I am worried about the inevitable loss that will come. So I'm already kind of bracing for it. (laughs) But I remind myself that sometimes you need the losses to propel yourself into the success. All right. Let's move it along. We'll get our tips for the weekend and then some of us will go to sleep. And some of us will edit this very long (laughs) podcast. All right. Friday night at the Gabba. We've already talked about it. Brisbane versus Richmond. I think Richmond win this. I'm going to go with Brisbane just for fun. Great. Saturday (laughs) at 1.45 at the MCG, Carlton versus Hawthorne. I'm going to go with Carlton here. Same. I think Carlton have shown a lot more than their win-loss record suggests. Agree. Um, I think they've also had a... This is off the top of my head and not actually remembering who they've played. I think they've had a fairly difficult run so far. They haven't had the easiest of games. I feel like I'm going to be caught out by saying that, but I think they'll win this. Still on Saturday at 2.10 at GMHBA, Geelong versus Gold Coast Suns. I mean, you have to say Geelong, right? <laughs> yeah, and the Suns have got a few injuries that are going to... Jack Bowes being out is a big concern as well for them. So I think Geelong worrying. at home uh, makes the most sense to me. Still on Saturday, 4.35 at Adelaide Oval. Adelaide versus Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Western Bulldogs at 7.25 on Saturday night versus St Kilda at Marvel Stadium, the dreaded Marvel Stadium. Oh, grow up, people. You know who won't be there? Damien Hardwick. Damien Hardwick. <laughs> I think the Duggies get over the line here. Yeah, absolutely. And also on Saturday night, Dockers versus Sydney. I'm tipping the Swans and also Saturday I've, this is completely irrelevant to everyone, but Saturday is my normal's 90th birthday, which is very cool. So cool. So Saturday is hopefully going to be a Melbourne and Sydney win each and my normal's 90th. So What's your normal's name? Ilario. Ilario, happy birthday. Did I say that well? Yeah. I feel like I did. I nailed it. <laughs> Are you doing Sydney as well? Oh, I didn't even get I'm tipping Nono. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm going to tip Sydney with this one as well. Moving to Sunday at 1.10pm, Giants versus West Coast Eagles. I'm going to say GWS win this. Yeah. Uh, no Toby Green is a concern. Mm, but I reckon they'll... I still think the Giants though. Yeah, I don't really know why. I just, it's home, just I think them silly. being at home, West Coast haven't travelled great this year. Yep, we'll go with that. <laughs> 320 at the MCG, Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. I'm going to this game weirdly. I'm not sure why, but I am. Um, I think Port Adelaide. Yeah, I'm going Port too. I hope they wear their prison uh, bar guernsey when they sing their song after it as well. Oh. Could you imagine? I'd be glorious. I think they will. Oh, please do it. Antagonise. I would put money on them doing that. See, that's the funny, like, antagonistic stuff. Yeah, it's irreverent. It's not saying you're going to sue the AFL. It's just funny. (laughs) It hurts no one as well. It's light trolling. And it just hurts no one. I think it hurts Eddie Eddie Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. Which is maybe why we like it so much. (laughs) Oh. Oh, Eddie. 
Last game for the weekend, Essendon versus North Melbourne. I think Essendon get over the line here, although wouldn't it be amazing if they didn't? I'm tipping Essendon, but it would be very Essendon to lose this game. <laughs> it would be very Essendon, but uh, my family go for Essendon, so for their sake, I hope Essendon win. We only have one tip different this week. Oh, which one is it? The very first one. Ah, oh, of course. All right, well, we'll see. It all hangs in the balance. Uh, I feel like we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. This has been an interesting episode of Rambly Chats, but I hope you've all enjoyed it. Where can people find you, Gemma, if they want to ask you lots and lots of questions? Come to me on Twitter. I'm at GL Bastiani. What about you, Rana? I am at Rana Huss on Twitter, and we are both at Play on Radio Melb. Until next time, who needs love when you've got footy, actually? deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 